Hey, I just, I want you to know how much I appreciate each and every one of you. You, you guys are a, a blessing. You're, a, you're an awesome church. Your heart for the Lord, your heart to serve. And I just want you to know how much we really appreciate that. So thank you very much. And uh, as I was praying about what to speak on this Sunday, this was a busy week. There was a lot of other side projects that were kind of, just had to be taken care of this week. So it was really busy. <clears throat> And um, the passage that kind of the Lord put on my heart is, you see it up there, finding rest for your soul. Finding rest for your soul. We're going to be looking at Psalm chapter 62. It's a Psalm of David. And and he talks about this rest for the soul, and then he there's just a bunch of several several other aspects under there that we're going to take a look at that because God really wants us to have rest for our soul. You know, He never promised that we wouldn't have problems. He never promised there wouldn't be challenges, but He did say, "I have rest for your soul." So, we're going to take a look at that. Psalm 62, and I'm going to be starting in verse 5, and we'll go verses 5 through 8. It says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. And that was in the NIV translation. So Father, we just thank You for Your Word again and ask that Your Holy Spirit will just anoint, bless it, and that we will um, hear everything You want us to hear. And then Lord, help us to apply it doing those things that you show us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Alright. So, <clears throat> this is about, there's, there's going to be three points to this message, three things that I want to bring out. And it has to do with finding rest for your souls. And uh, God wants us to have rest. The first point, pretty simple, find your rest in God alone. Find your rest in God alone. We have a dog. Her name is Hershey. She's a lab golden retriever mix. And uh, when I take her for a walk, she is always looking for scraps. It doesn't make any difference where we go. She's trying to find scraps to eat. And it's amazing how she finds them. And it's pretty disgusting, some of the things she does find to eat. But she's just, she goes from scrap to scrap to scrap as we're going on these walks. One, one day she scored huge. We were uh, across from our house over at Hanshu School. Uh, Lori and I were walking over there, and they have some woods right in that area. And we are one of those dog owners that lets their dog off the leash. I think it's God-ordained, but anyway, we, we let our dog off the leash. And the dog was, was running around in that little wooded area there, and Lori and I were on the track, and she was gone for quite a while. And then this young guy 
early 20s, comes walking out. And he says, is that your dog? I was tempted to say no, but it was our dog. Yeah, that's our dog. She just ate our pizza. <laughs> Evidently, they had stashed a pizza in the woods that they were going to eat later after they uh, were done playing. But anyway, <laughs> Hershey scored that day. She scored. <laughs> but typically, she's going from scrap to scrap. And um, there are a lot of hungry, searching souls in this world that basically are just going from scraps to scraps trying to find rest. You know, they'll try one thing and then they'll try something else and then they try something else. Some of the things they try they get in bondage to. You know, a a hungry soul is, is a desperate thing. A searching soul. But David said this, find rest Oh my soul, in God alone. In God alone. I read something interesting. Let me just read it to you. Sophia Cavaletti is a researcher who has pioneered the study of spirituality in young children. She finds that children often have an amazing perception that far surpasses what they've already been taught. One three-year-old girl raised in an atheistic family with no church contact at all, no Bible in the home, asked her father, where did the world come from? He answered her in strictly naturalistic scientific terms. Then he added, there are some people who say that all this comes from a very powerful being and they call him God. At this, the little girl started dancing around the room with joy as she said, I knew what you told me wasn't true. It's him. It's him. God. You know what? I think children want to know there's a God. There was another part to that story too. The author Anne Lamott was raised by her dad to be a devout atheist. All the children in her family had to agree to a contract to that effect when they were two or three years old. But she started backsliding into faith at an early age. She said this, Even when I was a child, I knew that when I said, Hello, someone was listening. There's that thing in a child. You know, and David, you know, starting off as a shepherd watching sheep, becoming the king of Israel, he said, Soul, find your rest in God alone. And David experienced a lot of things, and David had a lot of things. But he said, It's God. Find your rest in God. Let's look at Jesus' words. I mean, this is God in the flesh coming to show us the way to the Father. And these are the words of Jesus. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There may be some people here this morning, you're kind of weary and you're kind of burdened. And Jesus would say the same thing. Come to me. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The you, your soul, mind, will, emotions, all of you, there's rest. There's rest. For my yoke is easy, 
And my burden is light. Find your rest in God alone. Now I want us to look at some things here. How was it that David was able to find rest in God? We're just going to go through a few more verses here in our text and look at some things. But I believe these were all things that helped him find his rest in God. So let's just go to our text and go to the next part of it. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from Him. David's hope came. It doesn't even say my hope is in God. It says my hope comes from Him. You know, when our kids were growing up, the nicest clothes they had came from Grandma. It's not that we didn't buy clothes for our kids, but the nicest clothes came from Grandma. And you could tell when they were wearing Grandma's clothes. There was a distinct difference between what we bought and what she bought for them, okay? Nice clothes came from Grandma. That's just the way it was, okay? David says, hope comes from God. That's just the way it is. Hope comes from God. It doesn't come from the things of this world. You can enjoy things, but hope doesn't come from this world. That word hope there, tikva, if I pronounced it correctly, in the original language, it means hope, expectation, something yearned for and anticipated eagerly. Something for which one waits. Tikva comes from the verb kova, meaning to wait for or to look hopefully in a particular direction. Hope. Hope comes from God. The Apostle Paul, you know, he he took the gospel message all over to the known world at that time. Preached about Jesus. But then he didn't just like preach the message and then move on to the next place. We find out that yes, he did move on to other places to preach the gospel, but he kept praying for those places he'd been. You know, he was praying for the Christians uh, in, in the places where the gospel had been established. He was praying for the Ephesian Christians in the letter to, uh, to the Ephesians. There's a prayer recorded in that letter. <clears throat> Ephesians 1.18, just a, just a chunk of it. It's it's an awesome prayer. You know, Lori and I actually memorized it and we pray this prayer for ourselves and for others. But verse 18 says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. He is praying for those believers. Oh God, help them to see the hope that comes from you. It's there. Just help them to see it. And and David said, my hope comes from God. I'm not looking anywhere else for it. How else was David able to find rest in God? Well, his hope came from God. But the next thing that we see is that God was David's rock. God was his rock. He alone is my rock. When we lived in Juneau, 
We lived out towards the glacier. We lived in the valley, so basically it was an area that the, the glacier at one time had been all the way through there and had receded. The Mendenhall Glacier had receded back, but it left all kinds of rocks and stuff all the way through the valley. And in front of our house was this huge rock. I mean, it was a boulder is what it was. And, I mean, it was, it was big. It was large. And our kids, man, they played on that thing. It was in front of our house between our house and, and the road going out to the glacier. And they had picnics on this thing. I mean, they would sweep it with brooms. It was huge. And then they'd put blankets out and have picnics, and they played on that thing. I mean, they had lots of fun. They had a swing set in the backyard, and they played on that. It wore out eventually. started looking a little unsafe. I had to deal with it. <laughs> they had other toys that they played with too, but they wore out, you know, and they you know, needed to be thrown away. But the day we left Juneau to move to Anchorage, that rock looked just the same. I mean, our kids played on it, they fought on it, they whatever. And that rock never changed. And if we go back, sometime we'll go back there and visit. I know that rock is going to look just like it always did. David said, my rock is God. It's not my retirement It's not this. It's not that. My rock in this life is God. That's how come he had rest for his soul. His rock was God. It wasn't a philosophy. It was God. And then he said this, that God alone, still up there, is my salvation. God is my salvation. That word salvation there means deliverance. It means welfare, prosperity, salvation by God. It means victory. It means that too. God is all of those things to me. God alone. You know, when he gets teeth, you're not going to be putting your finger in his mouth like that. <laughs> Let's go. No, it's just experience. <laughs> it's not a word of knowledge. <laughs> the next part of the verse says this. David says this. He, God, is my fortress. He is my fortress. David understood fortresses. Goodness, Jerusalem, the city of David, the walls were built up. He built that thing up even more while he was there. David understood fortresses. He built walled cities. But David said, God is my fortress. It's not some city. It's not some... It's God. David had a, 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 you know, a very strong military. He didn't say the military is my fortress. God is. God is. And he goes on to say, I will not be shaken. Now, did David have an easy life? No. When you read the life of David, it was not an easy life. David had a heart for God, but he made some big mistakes that cost him dearly. But his hope was in God. When he was following God completely, his hope was in God. When he messed up and he had to repent and he had to go to God, his hope was in God then too. His hope was in God. 
And he wasn't going to be shaken. If your life seems shaken right now, and at times life can seem shaken, okay, don't forget, God is your rock. It's not your job. It's not even your family that's your rock. God is your rock. God is your fortress. God is your salvation. You can find your rest in Him alone. You can. Well, the second point is this. Depend on God. Well, Captain Obvious, (laughs) depend on God. Okay? Depend on Him. It's interesting. And this is from the NIV. Other translations worded it a little differently. But the NIV said it this way. My salvation and my honor depend on God. His salvation depended on God. You know what? My salvation does not depend on me. I mean, I want to believe and I want to cooperate with the Lord. But my hope is in God. Not in me and my ability Uh, my salvation depends on the faithfulness of God. And He is faithful. He is faithful. That part about honor depending on God was interesting. The word honor there means a few things. It can be translated a few different ways. Glory, honor, glorious abundance. But underneath that, part of the definition is Honor and dignity. Honor and reputation. That word can be translated that way also. You know, if we would just let our reputation and our dignity just be dependent upon God and not try to make ourselves look any way in particular, we just walk with God. And we depend on Him. Our dignity, our honor, all of that stuff, it's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. There are sometimes when we want to defend ourselves because maybe things come up and people say things that aren't true about us, and there's something, you know, we want to defend ourselves. Sometimes things like that can happen in work situations with co workers and stuff, but you know what? It's, I believe it's just wise to just depend on God. Let Him work that out. You just keep walking with Him. You just keep doing, you know, the things that He will bless. Let Him take care of your honor. Let Him take care of your dignity. Let Him take care of all of that. He's faithful. He really is faithful. Depend on God. I think in David's life, he learned to depend less and less on himself and more and more on God. Is anybody going through that process here today? You're learning to depend less on yourself and more on God. It's an important process to go through. You know, you can start it when you're five years old or you can start it when you're 75 years old. It doesn't matter. But it's really, it's a process we need to walk in. Depending on God. <clears throat> Dallas Willard, who lost his mom as a young child, writes of a little boy whose mom had died. He was especially sad and lonely at night, the little boy was. He would come into his father's room and ask if he could sleep with him. 
Even then he could not rest until he knew not only that he was with his father, but that his father's face was turned toward him. Quote, Father, is your face turned toward me now? Yes, his father would say. You're not alone. I'm with you. My face is turned toward you. When at last the boy was assured of this, he could rest. You know, I think we need to understand our Father's face is turned toward us. Let me say that again. Your Father's face is turned towards you. Depend on Him. Rest in Him. Do you always feel His face turned towards you? Not necessarily. But you can know His face is turned towards you. You can know that. The Apostle Paul, I want to, again, he went through something that he had to deal with it for years. God had actually taken him into the heavenly realms. He didn't know if he was, you know, in the body or not. But he, but he knew God had taken him in, into the heavenly realms and God had given him revelations of things. Some of those things he could share and he did. But he wrote, there were some things he couldn't share. God showed them to him and he was not allowed to let anyone else know about them. It was quite an experience. But God knew in his foreknowledge that Paul could become very proud of these experiences. Of God personally showing him these things in the heavenly realms. And so we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 7. It says, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God wouldn't. But let's look at the next part of that verse. I want us to see that together. Starting with verse 9. But he, God, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My favor upon you is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God's power is made perfect perfect in people's weakness. Think about that. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul was learning to be very dependent on God. And not in his own strength and not in his own abilities. Verse 10. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul said, when the difficulties come, I delight in them because I see how weak I am but I see how strong God is and I depend on God. What do you think of that? (laughs) Okay. 
whatever you're going through. This verse is for everybody. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. His strength is made perfect in the weakness. Depend on God. I just don't know if I can live this Christian life. Hey, I'll tell you right now, you can't. You can't. But if you're depending on God, if you're abiding in Jesus, you know what? He will be your strength. He will be your help. He will be your forgiveness and He will be your renewed hope to just keep going. He'll do all of that. But it's Him. Find your rest in God alone. Depend on God. And then the last one, again, Captain Obvious, trust in God. Trust in God. The passage, the text goes on to say, trust in Him at all times, O people. Trust in Him at all times. That word trust there means to trust in, have confidence, be confident, be bold, be secure. It means all of those things. Trust in God. When? At all times. Does that mean today? Yeah. I mean, you, some of you came to church with other things on your mind that are really weighing on you. Okay? And you may still be thinking about them now. But God says, trust me. Trust me. I gotta read another story. I like this one. Actually, I think I read it before. So if if I did read it before in church, just act like it's the first time you've heard it. In his book, The Pressure's Off, psychologist Larry Crabb uses a story from his childhood to illustrate our need to delight in God through adversity. One Saturday afternoon I decided I was a big boy and would use the bathroom without anyone's help. So I climbed the stairs closed and locked the door behind me and for the next few minutes felt very self-sufficient. Then it was time to leave and I couldn't unlock the door. I tried with every ounce of my three-year-old strength but I couldn't do it. I panicked. I felt again like a very little boy as the thought went through my head I might spend the rest of my life in this bathroom. (laughs) My parents and likely the neighbors heard my desperate screams. Are you okay? Mother shouted through the door. She couldn't open from the outside. Did you fall? Did you hit your head? I can't unlock the door. Get me out of here. I wasn't aware of it right then, but Dad raced down the stairs, ran to the garage to find the ladder, hauled it off the hooks, leaned it up against the side of the house just beneath the bathroom window. With adult strength, he pried it open, climbed into my prison, walked past me, and with that same strength, turned the lock and opened the door. Thanks, Dad, I said, and then I ran out to play. That's how I thought the Christian life was supposed to work. When I got stuck in a tight place, I should do all I can to free myself. When I can't, I should pray. Then God shows up. He hears my cry. Get me out of here. I want to play. play." And he unlocks the door to the blessings I desire. Sometimes he does. But now, no longer three years old and approaching 60, I'm realizing the Christian life doesn't work that way. And I wonder, are any of us content with God? Do we even like Him 
when he doesn't open the door we most want opened. When a marriage doesn't heal. When rebellious kids still rebel. When friends betray. When financial reverses threaten our comfortable way of life. When the prospect of terrorism looms. When health worsens despite much prayer. When loneliness intensifies and depression deepens. And when ministries die. God has climbed through the small window into my dark room. But he doesn't walk by me to turn the lock that I couldn't budge. Instead, he sits down on the bathroom floor and says, Come sit with me. He seems to think that climbing into the room to be with me matters more than letting me out to play. God wants to be with you in whatever you're going through. He wants to be with you. I don't always see it that way. Get me out of here, I scream. If you love me, unlock the door. Dear friend, the choice is ours. Either we can keep asking him to give us what we think will make us happy, to escape our dark room and run to the playground of blessings, or we can accept his invitation to sit with him for now, perhaps in darkness, and to seize the opportunity to know him better and represent him in a difficult world. Trust him. Trust him. I know the verse, all things work together for good to them that love God or to those who are the called according to his purpose. And I look back and I can't always say that I thought that's exactly what happened. But I don't see the whole picture very clearly. And God does. And sometimes a few years later, I look back and I say, oh my goodness, God did work that all out for the good. And I just couldn't even see it at the time. We have to trust God. We have to trust Him. Well, there's conflict in my home. Trust Him. Find your rest in God. Depend on Him. Trust Him. I like this next part. Is that what's up there? Oh yeah. Trust Him at all times, O people. Pour out your hearts to Him. You trust Him so much that you are pouring out your heart to Him. And you don't leave empty and hopeless. You can leave full and hopeful. Pour your heart out to Him. He is our refuge. He is our refuge. So, wrapping this thing up... Finding rest for your soul. That was the topic of it. Finding rest for your soul. There's all kinds of ways people try to do it. But God just shows us the God way. And first and foremost, find your rest in God alone. Stop looking in all those other places to find your rest. Find it in God. Well, I don't know if God cares about me. Oh, He cares. I don't know if God's listening. 
all he's listening. Find your rest in him alone. Just like David said. David said, my hope comes from God. He is my rock. He is my salvation. He is my fortress. I'm going to rest in him. I'm going to rest in him. And then secondly, depend on God. Some of us are very independent people. Raise your hand if you're one of those. I am very independent. I'm really not that independent. I'm more of a follower kind of person. But some of you guys are very independent. You know, it's just like, you can take care of it. And God's given you a lot of abilities. But even if He's given you a lot of abilities and all kinds of stuff, He wants you to depend on Him. He wants you to depend on Him. And... Um, When you're younger, you can kind of keep pushing through. Bless God, I'll just make it. I'm in my 50s now. It's harder to just keep pushing through everything. Bless God, I'll just push through. I'm just tired of pushing through. I don't want to push through. God, I'm just going to depend on you. Alright, I'll do what I know to do. I'll do what you show me to do. But really, Lord, I'm not going to just try to push through and make everything happen. I'm going to depend on you. That works much nicer. And, you know, when I'm in my 60s, I'll probably say, I'm going to depend a whole lot more on God, too. I don't know. You guys, careful, I'll get in dangerous territory. Trust Him. Have confidence in God. Have confidence in God. There will be a testimony to share. There will be. Right now, there might be turmoil and heartache to share. But there will be a testimony to share. God is faithful. God is faithful. Amen? Amen. Alright. I'm done. I'm done. I was praying before service. How do you want me to end the service? And God gave me.